All right, I think we can all agree that every new investor struggles with the same issues. They're out there finding deals, they're broke, and there's a tremendous amount of anxiety trying to figure out how to fund these deals once they have them under contract. I was no different. And if you've read my book, The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate, then you'll know that I launched my career by flipping my first few houses using 0% interest credit cards. The rules are a little bit different today than when I did it, but believe me, it can still be done. And there's a company out there that will help you shortcut this entire process. I want you to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash funding, and you can learn about how much you can get in the first round of funding so you can fund your deals. Just complete the quick questionnaire, and they will shoot you back a number as to how much you can expect in a very short period of time so you can get started funding those deals. And over time, those numbers will increase. Now, how well do I know this company? I've been referring this company since 2015, so almost five years. I've had over 100 of my students join this company, and they've raised several million dollars to help these students get funding for their deals. I know this because I know these students personally, and I talk to them very often about the process. The most you can get in your first year is $240,000 worth of potential 0% cash advance money. But even if you only get $100,000, it's better than nothing, and it can make you a small fortune flipping houses. Just go to dpipodcast.com forward slash funding and check it out for yourself. Don't wait until you've lost fifteen dollars or $20,000 to check these guys out. It might be too late if you do that. you got to go ahead and stay, stay ahead of the curve on this one, guys. Go to dpipodcast.com forward slash funding and be prepared to fund the deals when you find them. Let's do it. <laughs> Welcome back to Season 2 of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, Discount Property Investors, this is your host, David Dodge. I am... Having a great day today. My partner, Mike Slane, is actually out looking at properties. We started out the morning looking at a couple four families, making offers, doing deals. So again, this is David Dodge, your host of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. I am joined today by Mr. Tyrone Jackson. Tyrone, how are you today, buddy? Hello there. I'm thrilled to be with you. Great. So Tyrone is a trusted stock market trader. He's a mentor and a best-selling author who has built his reputation on his unique ability to make stock market trading 
and investing accessible to people without a financial education. So Tyrone, tell us a little bit about, uh, about your business and what exactly you do. You are with The Wealthy Investor, is that correct? Yeah, I created a program called The Wealthy Investor. Uh, when I grew up, I was always curious about money, who had it, wealth building, financial freedom. And the one thing I can tell you, Dave, is no one in my family actually had financial freedom. So I know I did not want to be like them. So uh, I was always searching for a way to do it. And, and like many of your listeners, I started out as a real estate investor. The only thing is, and this is really bad if you're going to be a real estate investor, I didn't know anything about real estate, like the repair side of it, the roof, a boiler, floors, any of those things, kitchens and bathroom and plumbing. I, I just turned out I wasn't very good at it, uh, but I liked the residual income part of it. And it was interesting because my father said to me after I got my first property, he goes, you know, you should try the stock market. And I was like, well, what, what exactly is that? How does that work? He goes, well, there are ways to make money in the stock market that's similar to creating residual income uh, with real estate, and you should try it. So he got me some books and tapes. I learned the language of the stock market, and I learned how to create residual income the same way that someone might do it if they were actually uh, buying and selling real estate. Okay, cool. So my business currently has over 50 rental properties. We bought and sold over, well, I guess we did 97 houses in 2018. In 2019, we are on pace to do more than that so far, which is awesome. So we do a little bit of buying and selling. We do wholesaling, of course. That's kind of what we focus on with this podcast here. We do fix and flip, and we have residential property that we rent out um, that generates cash flow and passive income. So I'm very well versed with all of the sides of real estate, but I'm interested in picking your brain today about the stock market. I've invested in the stock market in the past, numerous different ways. I've made money, I've lost money, I've broken even on deals. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about some of the things that you are doing with your business. Okay, well, first of all, congratulations. I mean, I love the success that you're having uh, in all aspects of real estate. So that is to be saluted. You guys are amazing. What a lot of people don't know, uh, if they're buying real estate for the income part of it, right? Uh, in other words, most people will buy a house, fix it up, rent it out, pay the mortgage and the taxes, and keep the excess cash every single month as positive cash flow. What a lot of people don't know is that you can do something very, very similar in the stock market uh, with a large degree of frequency and speed if you learn one transaction, Dave, and that transaction really is something called covered calls. So uh, if I buy a house, right, I've got to find the right property, get an attorney, uh, get my funds together, my financing, et cetera, et cetera, clean up the house, and then get a tenant in who's credit worthy and going to pay the bills. Well, I can do the same thing with a stock like, let's say, Nike, right? So a stock that's on its way up, that's rising, I can go out, buy 100 shares of Nike, and just like that rental property, in effect, loan out my stock to someone else. They're going to pay me for the right to buy my stock at a later date, and I'm going to pull in residual income the same way that I can do it uh, with a piece of property. Now, this process is called writing a covered call or selling call options. 
In other words, as soon as I buy that stock, I'm buying it for what specific intent? To turn around and sell those shares at a profit. The only difference is I can do this transaction from anywhere in the world and just simply by selling the rights to my shares, I can earn $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 a month consistently the same way that I would rent out a property. The only difference is I don't own a house. I own shares in a major Dow component in the stock market. That's essentially how it works. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. So with my business, we use the burst strategy. So we're essentially getting an asset. We're buying it. We are rehabbing it. We are getting it rented out. And then we refinance all of our money out. So we control an asset with very little money in the end. Most of the time, no money in the end. And then of course, we use leverage with the bank to acquire that asset. Are there any benefits that you, that you have on your end that are similar to leveraging your investment and or getting uh, control of that investment with your money back at the end? Yes. Well, it's a little bit different in the stock market. I'm willing to put my money in the stock to generate the income. It's interesting that you mentioned leverage because there's also a leverage component to this, which is something called margin. When I become a really good covered call writer, right, my broker will extend to me a line of credit called margin. So if I pair my money with my broker's money, that can allow me to purchase more shares to generate more income. Now, cool. the difference is between what it is that you're doing, which I thoroughly understand, and in the stock market is something called a dividend. So you take look at a stock like Nike, for example. That company pays a dividend to its shareholders uh, paid out every 13 weeks. So if I'm covered call writing, getting that guaranteed residual income and collecting that dividend, it's a transaction that I can do anywhere in the world as long as I have access to A, the stock market and certainly the internet. So it's not that, you know, stocks beat real estate or real estate beats stocks. It's just another way of generating income, uh, residual income from anywhere in the world. I love it, man. I threw a bone at you to see if I could stump you and you had an awesome answer. <laughs> that was great. And I like to do this in real time because I'm on your team here, man, but I, I do have an opposing point of view sometimes. But it's for a good reason. It's for the audience, the listeners, the viewers, so that way they can kind of see both sides. So that's great. You did an awesome job answering that question. Um, a couple more for you, Tyron. I'm going to fire a match at here. So with, sure. um, with this, I, I understand dividends very well. I have lots of stocks that pay dividends, and I, I have quite a few investments in the stock market. I've never done a, a call or a put or a covered call or a covered put or any of those type of things when it comes to options. But I'm very interested mm -hmm. in a little bit more. So the question is, is if you're going to buy a stock, yes, you can use leverage, which we've addressed, and that's great. Good answer. Um, but B, I guess part B of the question here is whenever you put that, whenever you buy or sell, I guess in this case, you're selling to do a call, that option, are you required to hold the stock or can you sell that stock while you have this, what I would like to refer to it as, is like some sort of a contingency on the stock, right? Can are you able to unload that stock whenever you have this thing out there that's paying you? Because again, what it sounds like to me is you're banking on appreciation, which is great over time. Things appreciate. It kind of goes without saying. Um, and of course, if you buy a, a company that pays a dividend, then you get the passive income. Some are paid monthly, some are paid quarterly, some are paid annually, so on and so forth. So that's awesome. Well, I guess my question lies more with the call. You get paid to sell that. 
but there's a risk there. So can you explain what, like, what, what are you giving up in order to receive that income? Because we both know most things in life aren't free. That is correct. Okay, so uh, before I answer that, I'm gonna I want to put one thing out there. You know, the stock market is one game and 100 ways to play it, right? Yes. So when I'm teaching uh, a basic strategy like covered calls, I usually teach it from what I call the Sesame Street point of view. So I explain the most simplistic aspects of the transaction first, and then over time I usually get into the the complexities of it. So a stock has multiple income streams, right? Like some people buy stocks and they just hold them for years and years and collect the dividend and get the appreciation. Those of us who are covered call writers, we're, we're holding some shares of other companies as well, um, but we're also there for that income. Now, I don't want to lose your audience too quickly, but I'll tell you this. I can buy a stock, sell a covered call, get my residual income. I can also buy a put so that if the stock actually goes down, I get paid that way. And then I can also buy a call. So let me say that again. I'm going to buy the stock, sell a call to someone else, get paid, buy a call. So if the stock jumps up within two or three weeks, I have another revenue stream. Should the stock drop, I can also own a put. So when you're trading and investing in the stock market from an income point of view, right? Not just an appreciation point of view. There are multiple trades you can put on the same stock. How involved you want to get in that process is completely and totally up to you. However, if I start out with, you know, the advanced ways you can get paid seven ways off a stock, most people go, this is just too much. It's overwhelming. So that's why I give you the simplistic answer first. But you are, uh, you're dead on. There are a lot of opportunities off of one stock to generate income uh, multiple ways. I love it, man. That's cool. So what are the barriers to entry for participation in the stock market? Well, most people don't participate in the stock market simply because they don't have the financial education. They weren't taught how to, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've learned as a person who grew up working class and now has wealth, right? All wealth really, to be honest with you, is basically fourth grade math. If you went to the fourth grade and you graduated, you can be wealthy. The thing that I've noticed more than anything else is people choose the modality that they're most comfortable with. Some people like multi-level marketing. It's like, oh, I like talking to people and showing them the benefits of a particular product. Some people like real estate because they figure, ah, there are always people who need a place to live. I happen to like both real estate and stocks because real estate is a slow, for me, it is a slower form of appreciation and return on my investments if I go slower. And I like stocks because I like the freedom to be able to travel, um, to know that every single week there's another trade that I can put on to uh, generate income. And it really comes down to a matter of preference, right? Like one of my favorite places to go on vacation is the Four Seasons in Maui. While I'm at my vacation at the Four Seasons in Maui, I know I'm always going to make thousands of dollars while on vacation. To me, uh, I like my financial freedom coming uh, in that form. It's just, it's just a particular thrill. And I don't have to monitor a contract or, you know, a job site or worry about if it's raining or if the windows arrived on time for the renovation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, stock market for me and my students brings a lot of joy and that freedom. Got it. Okay, good answer. So let me ask you this. Whenever you're, um, you know, buying a stock and then you're using an advanced strategy like a, like a put or a call, 
Is that something that you mm -hmm. buy and or sell and then you're done with? Or does it require additional energy monitoring, so on and so forth? I don't know because I've never done it. it. Yes, it depends on the stock. So, for example, uh, you know what a lot of day traders do, and I'm not a day trader. I don't want to be stuck at a screen all day. Um, what a lot of day traders do is they'll buy a stock. They'll wait for it to move 25 cents and they'll sell it, right? Um, people who trade for income like me, you know, we're really looking for what I call dollar up, dollar down, right? So there's some days where my favorite stock goes up a dollar, and that means that I've captured some profit off that move, or it declines a dollar, and I can capture profit off of that move. The thing I love about the stock market is I can get as close to the action as I want. There are strategies that make money when stocks move, that make a lot of money, really, when stocks move $5 a day. Now, there are some stocks in the stock market that move, you know, 3 to $5 a day. And those kinds of moves we call, we refer to in the stock market as volatility. So some of us like volatility trading, um, capturing these moves uh, in stocks that are well known. And some of us like the more conservative approach. Now, for me with my lifestyle, because I actually live in two cities, I live in New York and I live in LA. When I'm in LA, I'm a little bit more of a volatility trader. But if I know that I'm going to be traveling for three days, I'm a little bit more of a covered call writer. And then believe it or not, in the stock market, you can actually set an income target, right? So if you say, hey, from trading this month, I just want to make $2,500, right? Then you could put up a, a series of trades that allow you to actually earn that. However, if your account is a little bit bigger, you can say, well, this month I'd like to earn $25,000, right? So a lot of my students um, really like real estate, so they use the money that they generate from the stock market to, get, to do what? To buy properties or pay them off. I've, I've had a lot of people who've done that as well. So the whole idea about pursuing financial freedom is that you give yourself a choice, right? You yeah. choose the modalities that you're most comfortable with, and that's that's if, if I have one message for your audience today is that you have choices in how you want to build wealth and create financial freedom for yourself. Absolutely. You do. Absolutely. I love it. I think it's great. Um, so you had mentioned a little bit about the Sesame street investor. So what makes you a Sesame street investor? Can you dive into a little bit more about that? Sure. So uh, here's a little bit of education for you. The top 30 stocks, the stocks that have the most stable history in uh, the U.S. stock market are part of this elite group, this average that tracks the top 30 stocks. And that average or index was created by one guy whose name was Dow and the other guy's name was Jones. And they created something called the Dow Jones Industrial Index. And really what that does is it tracks the top 30 stocks in the U.S. stock market. And you've probably heard of some of these names, stocks like Apple, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Home Depot, Visa, right? Mm -hmm. So if we were going to invest in the stock market and we knew very little about it, we probably want to go out and purchase shares of just the 30 stocks that comprise the Dow Jones Industrial Average, because these companies are earning billions and billions of dollars worldwide every quarter, every 13 weeks. Then there are some people who say, well, I have my favorite Dow stocks, but I'd like to own some stocks that are outside of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. These stocks have a greater chance of appreciating over time. And those would be companies like, for example, Google or Netflix 
or Etsy, which went public, or Uber, which is now public, right? Some people say, well, I have a greater chance of those companies, even though they're new, I have a greater chance of those stocks, you know, quadrupling in a five-year period if the company's growth is still there. So essentially, when you're putting money in the stock market outside of the Dow, you're willing to assume greater risk, but of course, the rewards are extraordinary. And this one thing that we do know about the stock market is that it consistently creates more millionaires than any other investment vehicle available. Why? Because anybody can open an account, let's say E-Trade, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and with as simple as $500 begin buying shares in members of the Dow Jones Industrial Average and tracking those shares over time. I love it. So speaking of, of opening an account, um, what do you recommend in terms of the least amount of money somebody should have to start investing? Well, that's, that's a great question. And it all depends on, A, your financial education. You wouldn't open an account with $50,000 and know nothing about how the stock market works, right? Um, but I always like to talk about the minimums, right? 500 bucks, 600 bucks, your income tax refund, for example, um, something that you consider low risk and you you purchase shares in companies that you like and you watch them over time. And what I have found is when people take a slower approach like that, um, the stock market has a way of seducing you. <laughs> it has a way of going, well, don't you wish you had, you know, shares in companies, this company over here, you know? And, and the other thing I really love about the market is that, um, you know, if you look at anybody who's a multi-billionaire these days, they all own massive amounts of shares in companies that they believe in, right? So some people like, the, I have a saying in my program, never buy a stock if you don't understand the story. Some people love Facebook, right? And here's what we know. In the last five years, Facebook has gone from $50 a share to $180 a share. So they don't mind owning something that they participate in every single day, right? But if you own shares of, let's say, Snapchat, you know, they were once at a high of, you know, $69 and they're down, down at $12. So you have to invest the time in getting the right education to know which stocks are stories that A, you like and where the greatest growth is. Snapchat's not making the kind of money that Facebook is making as an online, essentially, ad agency, right? Right. So uh, we, can, we can cozy up to the stories that we like and buy shares in those companies. And that's usually how most people begin their educational process. I love it. Great answer, man. Great answer. So earlier you had mentioned the volatility. So I want to ask, you know, how mm -hmm. can a smart investor keep from being burned by market vol volatility? Okay, great question. Volatility comes in many shapes and sizes. If you want lower risk volatility trades, you would then go inside the Dow Jones Industrial Average, those companies that I've named. Why? because there are billions and billions of dollars of institutional investors that are simply not going to leave the stock because the company has a great history of producing profits, right? But if you wanted to step outside of the Dow, you could trade stocks that are members of the S&P 500. Now, let me just explain what that is. Uh, two other guys came along and said, hey, 30 stocks really don't represent the market. We really think a basket of 500 stocks, if we just watch those on a daily basis, that's a better indication of whether the market as a whole is up or down. And the first guy's name was Standard, and the last guy's name was Poor, and they put together the Standard & Poor's 500 or S&P 500 index. Higher volatility stocks 
often find themselves as part of the S&P 500, right? So if someone wanted to say, well, I like this dollar a day thing, they would find stocks in the S&P 500 where the companies were making money and the stock was upward trending, but you're not going to have as much institutional involvement there. Therefore, that stock is going to move all over the place. And volatility traders love stocks that are in the S&P that do that dollar move up or down per day thing because they enjoy um, taking that profit consistently. I just want to say one other thing about volatility trading. Volatility trading is programmable, right? So for example, I can go get a couple hundred shares of an S&P stock and tell the software inside my account, when this stock moves a dollar, sell my shares. So again, that is quite different from day trading. And I don't have to sit at a computer all day. The stocks are moving throughout the day. And if I can capture that dollar on two, three, four, five hundred shares, then I'm making two, three hundred dollars a day automatically. Yeah, I think it's awesome. That sounds great. Very, very cool. Mm -hmm. So why is the stock market less intimidating than it seems? Why is it less intimidating? Mm -hmm. It's less intimidating because it's really not that hard. Um, nowadays, some people buy and sell stocks on their phone. I would not recommend that because, you know, you click the wrong thing, you could buy the wrong thing. Um, but it's, it's much more accessible than ever before in history. That's why you see these commercials on the Super Bowl for E-Trade, right? Because they're really trying to point out to the every man or every woman that, hey, listen, you have unprecedented access to the financial markets as long as you have an internet or Wi-Fi connection. And we've never in the history of the world seen this kind of access to the financial markets to either trade, buy and sell stocks very quickly, or buy shares and hold them for the long term. So that's what makes this so extraordinary. And now that we have this access, um, anyone can participate in this game. And that's just incredibly exciting. Yeah, that is, that is very, very cool. That is, that is very cool. I totally agree with you on that. That is very exciting. Well, I got one more question for you, man. So sure. you had mentioned that you started doing some real estate and then you do stocks and I'm assuming you do both, but why is the stock market invest, or, you know, uh, investing in the stock market? Why is that a good choice for real estate investors as well? Like what would be your your um, your opinion on investing in the stock market if you're already a real estate investor like myself? Because you, and this you, this is where we get into like sophisticated wealth stuff. You got to talk to your accountant. Like so, every time I buy and sell a stock, right? There's a capital gains on that stock. I owe the United States government money on that. But you know what? If I if I have a real estate portfolio, that real estate portfolio can reduce my capital gains because I can take some of the money that I'm getting from the market and I can improve my properties and improving my property does what drives up the value, right? So if you put together a strategy that allows you to earn money in the stock market, let's say two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a month, and you can reduce your tax liability by improving your real estate holdings, that's great. I also like, for example, I just did this last year in my, in, in my account. I sold stocks because I did a whole renovation on, my, on one of my homes, right? So where did I get that money for, for the reno, renovation? I got it from the stock market. Um, and then I'm also buying another home in the state of Florida. And where is that money coming from? Where's the down payment coming from? It's coming from the stock market. So I really like this transfer of assets, this dance, if you will, 
between real estate and the stock market, the income that's being generated in the stock market, because this is, you know, extremely um, uh, simplistic, but, you know, the stock market for me is a source of financing. My friends say it's a bank, right? But it's a source of financing for buying businesses, buying real estate, paying off real estate. And as long as I have a tax strategy in that process, I am going to do very, very well over time. And so will your listeners, again, if they get that financial education. I love it. Tyrone, you did a great interview, man. I threw some hard questions at you and you nailed every one of them. Great job. Man. Well, thank you, my friend. I'm thank happy you. to have you. So this again was, was Tyrone Jackson and he is with The Wealthy Investor. You can locate him online at thewealthyinvestor.net. And Tyrone, what's the best way for somebody to connect with you if they're listening or viewing the podcast and they want to get more information about um, about your business, The Wealthy Investor. They simply sashay on over to thewealthyinvestor.net and there's a free ebook. If you don't know anything about the stock market, you want to download the free ebook at thewealthyinvestor.net and it's a great way to get started and to get an education about the market because many of your listeners have hidden stock trading talents and they don't even know it. Man, I love it. That sounds awesome. Also, check out Tyrone on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash The Wealthy Investor. Head on over to his website, thewealthyinvestor.net, and learn some more about investing in the stock market. It sounds like he's got a free giveaway for everybody that's listening as well on the website. Tyrone, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know I'm excited to learn a little bit more about investing in the stock market. I'm going to hop on over there right now and get my, uh, get my free ebook. Any other closing words or <laughs> pieces of advice for, for myself, for my listeners? There's more financial freedom in the world than you could possibly imagine once you get the full education. I totally agree with you, man. You, you rocked it. All right. Well, Tyrone, thanks again for coming on the show today. Much appreciated. I think everyone's going to be excited to learn a little bit more about you and your business as well as some of the, the things that you're teaching. Again, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off on that note. Tyrone, thanks again, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.